Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself. Today's guest is comedian Mike Malone, who has a new Amazon Prime uh, comedy special called Laughter After Dark. And today we talk about uh, we talk about how to cope through the grieving process. He lost his stepdad, his mom, and then his uh, his his girlfriend of eight years, and and who was also his fiance. Uh, they uh, they broke up, and this all happened like within a, in a span of a year. Uh, and so we talk about how to cope with loss. We talk about how to cope with feelings of of loneliness, and and also how to feel, how to endure, how to sit in the sadness and and and, and deal with the pain. And then at the at the very end, uh, he he talks about his struggle with suicidality. And what was the thing that helped pull him out and, and pull him through? So uh, it's a crazy journey. He, he was, a, as he describes himself, a, a quote, former fat kid. And, and now he's, he's like the, the size of a, of, a, of a pinky. And he talks about struggling with that and, um, and how he's been able to move on. And, and now he's in a, in a, a relationship he, he never thought he'd be in. So he went from from dying inside to thriving inside and outside. I tried to make that more sound more clever than it actually should have been. Uh, and speaking of Thrive, go to thrivewithleo.com if you want one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Because, uh, listen, we all need someone in our corner. And, and uh, whether it's a mentor, a coach, a counselor, a therapist, if you've been a group therapy uh, and and you've been a counseling that hasn't worked out for you, go to thrivewithleo.com. Get to work with, with Leo Flowers here, and, and we can help you move through the, those feelings of loneliness or abandonment. Uh, if, you're, if you're going through transitions, whether you're uh, going through a divorce or you just got married, uh, uh, either one could be drawing for people. Um, and uh, I, I just want us to get to tomorrow together. So with that said, let's get into the episode. You know, I've been thinking about this idea of being present in a time where, uh, I mean, right now during this whole, you know, uh, COVID-19 chaos, time means nothing right now. We have so much of it. The value of time has gone way down and it's so difficult to be even present now because the distractions seem even higher. You know, all these Netflix shows are coming out. Your Twitter's always going off. Your Instagram alerts. Your your Snapchats. Your TikToks. Your everything is happening, and and everything is fighting for that present moment. And even when we have all of this extra time, I feel like it's really hard to even focus and and be in the now, even when that's all there is. Man, I love that. Everything is fighting for that present moment. It, it, it's so true. It's like, even as yeah. I'm talking to you, I got I got my laptop open. I got my cell phone open. I got, <laughs> I got a notepad. I'm drinking tea. Like, all, I got all these things that that are, that all these, I have all my little children's running around yeah. trying to, <laughs> yeah. trying to, <laughs> you know, thinking about what show I'm going to watch later, you know, like all these things. Yeah. Uh, that, and, and, and that's why, like, 
I don't know how you start your day, but like I, I gotta like I gotta journal, I gotta meditate, I need I gotta go for a walk. Like I gotta ground myself before the rest of the world wakes up and starts asking for stuff, you know. Yeah, I find myself um I I have to, you know, um I have to I have to kind of like tell myself to kind of shut my mind off. I have one of those minds that are just like going on constantly um about like things I should write, things I should work on, things I need to do and and maybe that's a common thing, but you know, it's it's hard for me to even sleep some nights because I'm so excited to start the next day. Um, when I, when I am working on a project or I am knee deep in, in editing or something like that, it's really hard for me to shut that, those, those things off and just have, like you said, like a normal morning where you're like, okay, I need to collect myself. I need to go for a walk. Do my mind w- will not allow that. <laughs> and that's something that I'm, I'm working on is trying to quiet that noise so I can focus on again being in the now and then starting my day off right so I can have a better structure for the rest of the day. So when you say you're you're working on things to quiet your mind, what what does that look like? Uh it is um you know going for a bike ride, you know, I'll force myself to go out or a hike, you know, where you you can't reach for your phone. You can't uh jot something down. You can't, you know, I'll have thoughts and I'll have moments um, but it, it, it purposely slows me down. I'll have to put roadblocks and sometimes, sometimes it's marijuana. You know what I mean? Like I'll smoke some weed before bed to like shut my mind off or do whatever. So I can actually go to sleep. Um, stuff like that where you're like, okay, I need to, I need to physically do something to hit the pause button. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's one of the reasons why I also enjoy, uh, I'm taking some helicopter lessons. Right now I'm doing an online ground school because, of course, you, you know, you're not going to get in a helicopter with somebody else. But, um, right. but the, one of the things I love about flying a helicopter is that you can only fly the helicopter. <laughs> you can't, you can't yeah. like put it on automatic pilot, go use the restroom or, you know, Go go bang the uh, the the flight attendant like there's no there's there's no there is no uh, there's no room for distraction when yeah. you are flying a helicopter. You got to be a hundred percent. You can't you can't blow your nose. You got to make sure that you you pee before you you know all the things. There's just like you're in it. You get in a helicopter, you're in it. And uh, as much as I'd love to know how to fly a plane. I, I just don't need another thing that I learn to do and then I can be distracted by. I, I like yeah. to do things that that force me to be present, like hiking and, and you know, flying a helicopter. Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, you have to. And sometimes even a good break in the day, you know, when I'm editing or I'm writing or something like that, I'll break off and play a video game as something that is mindless. You know what I mean? Like, Something that you don't actively have to be thinking about. Yeah, man. You know, I think there's such a, um, uh, what's the word? Such a feeling of like we have to be doing something 24-7. It's like, it's like I mean, that's how we greet each other. What would you do today? You know, and yeah. it's not, this is, we never ask like, hey, how do, how do you feel about what you've done today? Like, oh. Right. That, that would that's a whole other question 
that uh, would actually slow down uh, a person's uh, response to get you in that prefrontal cortex. Like, how do you feel about that work? How do you feel about the, 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 the nine to five that you put in a day or that podcast you put out or, you know, right. all those things? And, and now we get into it. Now, now we're having a conversation. Oh, what feelings? Oh, oh, snap. Nobody wants yeah, to do that. Yeah, a quality check-in instead of a quantity check-in. Absolutely. You know, and I, and I know, you know, I watched your special, Laughter After Dark, which is incredible. Incredible. Oh, is so, And I'm not just saying that, be, you know, because I got you on a podcast and, and we're boys. <laughs> I, I'm saying that because it is. And, and I love that it takes you on a journey. I hate when I watch a... a uh, our special and it's it's just jokes, and I'm like, yeah. where are you 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 just you just wasted my whole hour on some jokes. I mean, which is great, I understand. Sometimes there's sometimes that's all you want are jokes, but when I watch an hour special, I want to go on a journey. I, I want there to be a beginning, middle, and end, and and that's what your hour special does. It it it's, it's full of laughter, insights. And it, it has a very powerful, powerful ending. And, you know, and I saw some of the comments where they're like, you know, this isn't, you know, comedy. You know, he's talking about <laughs> grief. And I'm like, all right, that's a person who has who has something that they haven't dealt with yet. And it made them uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's not, you know, I had a, you know, I was shopping it around there when, when, I, when I was trying to, you know, I after it was all done and, and, uh, you know, months went by, I didn't hear this or that. And then I put it, I put it out myself through Amazon and, and, um, it, it did really well. Um, they got featured and this and that on, on their main page and, and things you should watch and stuff like that, which was really cool. Um, but the, I had a, I had a company, uh, reach out to me after all that went down after it was already out. And they said, yeah, it's too one man showy for us. And they're like, I, we, we just don't think that, that people will like this. Meanwhile, it has like over a million views on Amazon. <laughs> and so it, it goes to show you that like it, it, you know, that when you when you do start talking about that real stuff like grief and, and, and when I even when I started to share those stories on stage, it made things really uncomfortable when I was working out that material. People are not ready for that in that kind of setting, but was on the other side of that, what it does is it connects me with people on an entirely different level. People after my shows, you know, were coming up and, and sharing their stories with me, their stories of grief. We just lost my father. We just lost my brother. We just did this. We, you know, and it was incredible that feeling that I'd never felt before. Um, and so, you know, when I see those comments of, of hate, you know, it's usually, usually real alpha dudes that have a picture of, you know, a fucking AK 47 or hunting dog. And they're like, man, I didn't like this at all. <laughs> You're like, well, it's not for you. And I think that's what we get caught up in is this idea of trying to create things that are broad enough for everybody. Um, when, when really we have to just accept the fact that you're not going to be able to create something that's for everybody. Um, even when you think about the, the bigger names in comedy, your Burt Kreischer's, your Whitney Cummings, your Amy Schumer's, your Chris D'Elia's, 
you they're you know they have a special come out every every year every other year and sure there's a lot of love and everything and people like it and enjoy it they have a huge fan base but there's a lot of people that go i can't fucking stand that guy that's not for me and even when you have a broader audience like a you know again a, a bert or an amy or whatever you're still missing the mark on some people and it's important to to focus on what you want to say and what you want to have out there because the right people are going to find it. Yeah. And, and it's so true because I think that's part of the problem with like these relationship books. It's like, they're, they're all trying to appeal to like the, the masses and saying, here's the, here's the one size fits all solution to your problems. Yeah. And it, life is not like that. Nothing is like that, and you're trying to, you're, you're trying to like, uh, it's like shopping at Walmart versus at a, a going to a tailor. Like yeah. it, it's it's not gonna it's gonna fit. It'll be fine, but it's not gonna fit. You know, like it's it's not gonna make you feel like a a million bucks when you find your fit. You know, like like I wear Lululemon, it it fits, but there are other brands of clothes that don't fit, so I don't mess with them. But I don't right. get mad at them, and, and they don't they don't go well. We gotta satisfy Leo Flowers. You just go, all right. We're just not your brand. But there are other people who love that brand, and and that's and that's okay. Yeah, they, um, you know, I I, I listen to, to Alan Watts a lot. He's a philosopher. I'm sure you. Oh uh, man, that. that's my guy right there. I love Alan. Um, there's a lot of people that don't like him, and I've tried to turn him on to you know certain folks when I'm talking about this or that or whatever. Um, and some people reach back out to me and be like, oh my God, this guy is fantastic and he's great. And other people will be like, I can't understand a word he's saying. I hate him. I don't, I don't get it. Like (laughs) it's boring. It's this or that. And so even something like that, where you think that is a one size fits all thing where you're like, he's saying something I think everybody should hear. A lot of people are like, nah, I'm good. How could you not like this? Well, not all things are for all people. And, and that, that's important to, to well, remember. And, and I think those are like the BuzzFeed people. They're, they're just some people who okay. need to like, what are the five things I need to do versus Alan Watts, who's more existential and philosophical and where you, you have to derive uh, your own interpretation from, yeah, from what he's way. saying. Yeah, yeah, he's... He like you know there are times where I listen to Alan Watts and I like I, I have to pause it and and then like sit back and and let yeah. it marinate for a second and, and like walk and walk with my hands behind my back through the, through the <laughs> park you know Alan Watts <laughs> <Yeah>. crazy, dog. <laughs> yeah yeah he, he I, yeah man they'll have you journaling you know what I'm saying they'll have you have you like in, in deep introspection and, and like put make, make you. Make you put your 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 face in your palms, you know. <laughs> it's that it's that kind of thing, and um, but you know, I I love that you that you had the courage and the vulnerability to to stick with it regardless of uh, the the naysayers and 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 what some of the other people were saying because it, it, it's such a powerful uh, message, and you know, at the at the base of it, and why I'm excited to have you on because. You know, you you lost. You talked about losing so many people and, and going through the stages of grief. My question: Did you go to therapy? Because I, I saw I see that you're like posting more things about depression and, and mental health 
on your Instagram. Yeah. Uh, are you in therapy or did you go to therapy before? I, uh, it took me a long time to come around to it. It was probably, okay, so I lost my, my stepfather first. And then a year after that, I lost my mother. Um, both random, both out of nowhere, like no, like no countdown. You know what I mean? Not like, well, this might be goodbye. It was just phone call at five in the morning. Your mom's dead kind of thing. And, um, so I lost both of them back to back. Um, and then a few years went by probably three years after that. Um, I split it with my fiance and we were together eight years living together, you know, all that stuff. Um, and it was that summer afterwards where I was living alone, um, in here in LA in a little studio apartment. And that's when everything started to catch up to me. It was during the summer. I really wasn't touring that much. And I was on my own for the very first time in my life. Uh, I'd always lived with roommates or with a girlfriend or whatever. Um, it was then when these waves of depression would just like crash over me and I didn't know what to do. And I didn't, you know, I grew up in the Midwest. You, you know, we didn't have therapy. Nobody went to therapy <laughs> where I grew up, you know, it's a bunch of farmers and, and cops. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I graduated with 70 people in my class. Like no, nobody went to therapy that I know of. And, um, and, uh, so I, I, I signed up through my health insurance for the very first time and dude, it was such a struggle. Um, you know, it took them two and a half months before they, they finally paired me up with somebody. And once I got in there, the lady, it was, I talk about it on stage, but it really was the lady's last day. And so I, told her my story. Then she passed me on to another person. I told them my story. Um, I didn't really click well with them. Um, so they hooked me up with somebody else, told them my stories. Now we're on three different therapists in the span of like, I would say three and a half months, um, like all spaced out too. So when I'm switching therapists, it's not like I'm getting right back in that following Tuesday or something like we're talking three to four weeks in between. Um, so finally I got with the last lady I was with, um, about 10 minutes into telling her, you know, my story again, she was like, I think we need to put you on medication. And I'm like, well, that's not what I'm here for. And the other, the others, the other people that I talked to were like, we don't think you need any medication. We just think you need help processing stuff. And I was like, yeah, that's what I'm here for. And so the last lady I saw, she's like, 10 minutes in, she's like, you need to be on pills. And I'm like, uh, I'm good. Like, I, I just need help processing. And she's like, well, I strongly recommend, you know, pills and all this stuff. And I'm like, okay. So I started talking to her about my hesitation with pills, um, which is like, my mother would, would cure everything with a pill. You know what I mean? You, my mother was like one of those moms where you sneeze once and she's like, do you need some sinus medication? Can I get you a Benadryl? <laughs> you, you need to lay down. <laughs> right. And you're like, I'm fine. Um, so I have a really weird relationship with medication. It's I, even when I have headaches, I have a hard time caving in to like type to take Tylenol. I'm like, eh, I'm good. I'll muscle through it. So, um, so I shared that with her. Um, she brought it up four more times in, in our hour session about putting me on medication. 
So finally I asked the lady, I go, what is your plan with the medication? Is this a forever thing? Is this temporary? Is this like a thing I'll take for a couple months until I get better? Is this something that I'll have to wake up and take every morning before I can get out of fucking bed and, and feel normal? I'm like, what is your plan? And she goes, it would be an everyday thing. Um, it would be for the rest of your life. Um, you know, something you take and, you know, and I go, no, absolutely not. And she's like, okay, well, that's fine. And so we moved on. I started talking about something else about, I was shameful about something I ate, you know, like I had McDonald's a couple nights before that and I was feeling shitty about it. I'm a former fat kid and all that stuff. And so I was sharing that with her and she goes, I think that you, um, you, you have an obsession with food and you should see this, this food therapy group that meets on Thursdays. And I'm, and that was the last time I went to therapy. It was, I got, I got, you know, juggled around for months with different therapists. It didn't work out and find the last person they hooked me up with wanted to put me on pills and group therapy over a fucking double cheeseburger. And so <laughs> I have not had that great of an experience with therapy. However, I know the importance of it. Um, I know, you know, the value in it and, and all of, I recommend it to people. Um, I myself have just not had a, a very good experience with it. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I have two therapists right now. I have an individual and then I go to couples therapy with my girlfriend and I've been fortunate to have too good i mean uh, on our first try it was like i've, I've had but i've had the similar experience that you've had well, my old therapist um she recommended that i go on uh antidepressants and yeah. i was like so you you want to do that before we even before you right. even ask me to do a physical before we even check to see what's under the hood before Dude, we, we get an MRI or a CAT scan, yeah. you know, I play college football. Like uh, there's definitely, you know, some, you know, some <laughs> residual <laughs> effects from that. And you just want to go straight to popping a pill in my mouth. And she was like, well, uh, uh, and I was like, nah, nah, nah. If you had said, hey, here's what I'm thinking. Like, like it's like you said, if there was a plan, if she goes, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking you go get a physical. Let's check your thyroid. Let's check your hormones. Let's get like a, a, a gut bacteria, you know, make sure you're producing enough serotonin. Let's look at all those things, uh, uh, see what those tests look like. And then if, uh, if it looks like it's in support of, we'll put you on antidepressants. But, but don't, we don't, I'm not working from the outside in, you know what I mean? That's a whole point of coming to therapy. Exactly. And that, that was, that was what, what, uh, what really was off putting was, just this nonchalant, like, ah, just take pills. Well, no, <laughs> that's, that's not the answers that I'm seeking. I'm trying to get better. And especially if you have somebody like, like you or I, where we're like, I'm willing to do the work. I know some of the work that goes into this already. Like I'm not just a, some fucking guy off the street. Like you know, I'm into philosophy and bettering myself and self-help and all that stuff. So like fucking talk to me, have a conversation. Let's make a plan. Like, you know, instead of just, again, like here's some pills. Well, 
I don't think, and I don't think that's the answer for anybody. Even if it is, you know, Joe off the fucking street, I still think you should have a conversation with Joe and figure out what's going on instead of just tossing pills down his throat. Absolutely. And, and, and I want to make it clear that I'm not anti-pill. I'm not anti-medication. No, 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 but, no. but it's like I, you said, I'm I, anti-plan. Like, give me yeah. an overall plan yeah. of how the pills fit into that. And then yeah. we can work from there. Yes, it's all about discovery. And, and, and again, like, like everything else in, in that kind of self-help realm, it's about discovery. It's about journey. Talk to me more than once before you shove pills down my throat. Talk to me more than 10 minutes before you <laughs> want to prescribe me. So, you know what I mean? Like, like let's, let's work together to find the answer. Like pills is like, that's my mom's response. <laughs> Like, like you yeah. said, it's like my, my mom could have came up with that, like pills, like that's the easy part. Like, <laughs> have you aspirin, honey, take an aspirin. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. And, and so, you know, like you said, you're willing to do the work. And and so now you're without a therapist and, and you've been trying. Uh, what, how, yeah. what were ways that you found helped you, uh, with the grief and, and, and that doesn't mean that you're out of it. I'm, I'm sure there's, there, there are triggers and things that still pop up for you, but, um, yeah, with the grief, dude, I, I heard a quote, um, that I love to share. I heard on NPR and I'm not sure who said it and I feel so bad. I should, I should really track that down. Um, but, um, there was an interview going on with a, with a, guy who, who had lost his um his mother and he had said um it was years ago it'd been like 10 years since he lost his mother and um he said uh uh that it doesn't uh it doesn't hurt less it just hurts less often and i think that is the best description because it's you know i think about her every day but it's not as traumatic as it was the week she died, you know, and sure there's certain holidays and, and, and events that, that happened throughout the year that hit harder than others. Um, but it's not like I'm in constant pain anymore or, or any of that. It, you know, it, it, it doesn't hurt less when it hurts. It just hurts less often. Um, and I think, I think that's beautiful. Um, and some of the things that have helped me get through it, and I, I wish I was better at it, but, but journaling has helped me so much because it's, it's one thing to even sit and think about your feelings or, or think about or ponder things or, or turn on philosophy like Alan Watts and just like endure something or whatever. It's totally different to get those thoughts out of your head. And if, especially if you're not going to a therapist or you're not seeking out some kind of group therapy or whatever, um, getting those thoughts out of your head, even if it is down on paper and even if nobody else is ever going to see that piece of paper, it is such a relief to, to again, get those words, those thoughts, those feelings out of you and, 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 and to examine later, you know, I go back, I read back through my journal and be like, man, that was, that was a bad day or that was a great day or look at this memory or I forgot doing that. Um, I can't recommend journaling enough and I wish I was more religious about it. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause it, it, it really does help you, uh, um, when you, when you need to reflect, you get to start to see patterns and, oh, yeah. and you start to say, Oh man, I noticed I'm usually grumpy in the morning, but I'm, I'm good at night or maybe it's the opposite or I'm more productive at night and, uh, I seem to kind of meander in the morning or, yeah. uh, even seasonal, uh, trends, you know, like, wow, in the winter I'm craving these types of foods. In the summer I crave these. Like it, it, it really, when people talk about a self-help book, that is what a journal is if, if yeah. you are consistent and, and really tracking your trends. I, uh, another, um, another thing is, and it's, it's hard to do, um, but really feeling the things that you're feeling. I don't know how else to describe it, but when you are feeling sad, be fucking sad. You know what I mean? Sit in it. Sulk in that moment. Now, I'm not saying for days or weeks on end or anything. I'm saying those nights. There's some nights where I, you know, a, a, a few months ago, I was going through some old hard drives. And um, I was going through some pictures. And I was looking for a, a file or something like that, something I was working on. And so I was going through some old hard drives. And I found a, a thing that was like, iPhone photos from iPhone five or whatever, <laughs> you know, and you're like, oh, I'll click this. And there, there, everything was, there was my old life. There was my fiance and my dog and my mother and my stepfather and, and everybody was there. And it, man, it hit me out of nowhere. And I remember that feeling of like, just, sadness and grief and, and, you know, the regrets that you have and, and all that stuff that you carry with you after people are gone. And uh, your first initial reaction, of course, just as a regular human being is to turn it off. I need to stop whatever's hurting me. I need to fight it. I need to get it, get away from it. Well, I think that's wrong. I think that you have to endure that for a little bit. I think you have to really take that pain in, take that sadness in, almost like a disease. So you build an immunity to it. And so next time I open up that folder, I see a picture. I'm not going to break down and fucking cry. <laughs> and, you know, like maybe I'll see a photo of my mother in public or, you know, sometimes a certain song will come on the radio. I don't want to cry at a, at a Chipotle <laughs> when, <laughs> when I'll be home for, for Christmas comes on the radio. <laughs> you know what I, mean? like, I don't want to break down and, and just, you just in a ball in a Chipotle. Like I need to build an immunity to that. And so, you know, enduring those moments and actually feeling those emotions really helps. And, and I think that goes for not only grief or, or whatever you're missing, but also in, in relationships too. I think a lot of times when you're in a relationship and you get in an argument or you get in a fight or whatever's happening, um, the, the initial idea is, is to get away from each other is to, is to like, well, just quit talking about it or one of you will shut down. I don't think that's right. I think you have to endure that pain. I think you actually have to have it out, sit in that moment, see why you're feeling that way to talk about those things. Communication is key, especially in those moments. And I feel like we are trained to run away again or stop whatever's hurting us at that moment. 
And I, I don't think that's right. Yeah, was that was that me or you? I think it was me. I'm sorry, man. Oh, I, I was like, whoa, what is that? Oh, good. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, speaking of like, you know, like you said, you were engaged and your fiance, you guys were together for eight years. What 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 was it that that uh, that led to the, the dissipation of that relationship? Um. You know, it was just, we just started to grow apart. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it was not, you know, I don't, I don't have any ill will towards her and I want nothing for the best for her and all that stuff. And we remain friends and, and all that. And, you know, she's tied into a lot of parts of my life too with comedy and, you know, she, she's a, a, a producer now in television and stuff. And so, you know, I, I still interact with her and all that stuff. It was just, I think we just grew apart. And, you know, we were on different, we had different ideas of what, uh, our life was going to be, you know, she was a very structured and very planned individual and she wanted a plan and a structure for the future ahead and all that. And, you know, I'm a comic and there are no guarantees in what we do or where we're going. There's no corporate ladder to climb. And, you know, sure, we might get something here and there and it's great in those moments, but. There's no way to plan that. I can't be like, okay, in um, 2021, I'm going to sell a TV show. And then probably 2022, I'll put out a book. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I'll do that. And there's, if I get that opportunity, amazing, great. If I don't, well, I guess we're just going to have to keep living like we're living, <laughs> you know? And, um, yeah, just I think I think we just started to to kind of uh, to fall apart after that. You know, it, the beauty is in that not that you guys uh, you know broke apart, but at least you guys uh, didn't buy into that sunk cost effect of well, we've been together for eight years. Well, we might as well get married and then you know figure it out then. Like, uh, you know what I mean? Like this- that, that would have been so easy. Dude, I talk about, uh, you know, uh, I, I I talk about this sometimes where it's like this idea of um, of these societal rules that we have in place and how we don't there are no rules. You don't have to get married. You don't have to go to college. You don't have to watch the Super Bowl and drink an ice cold Pepsi to feel happiness. You don't have to actually do these things. And even if you are committed to an idea, it doesn't mean that you have to actually go through with it. If I'm not happy and you're not happy, then why would we go through with getting married? Because we told everybody we were going to? Well, fuck that. I don't I don't have to live my life according to others. I have to be okay with the decisions that I'm making for myself. And in those moments, you have to be selfish. And that that goes for not only relationships, for, for jobs, for friendships, even for families. You know, a lot of times you'll be like, oh, you know, my cousin is this and that and he doesn't agree with. Well, then fuck your cousin. Don't talk to him anymore. Cut those toxic people out of your life, especially if you're working on personal growth and and getting better in that journey to to, you know, to to be to 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 for for self-betterment. Well, then, yeah, you don't I'm not going to 
cave in. You know what I mean? Like you, you need to cut those people out that aren't supporting your journey. And I don't care who that is. Um, family, friend, or relationship wise, you have to do what's best for you and your mental health. Absolutely. I think we're, we are in such a consumer based, uh, economy and world. And we're always thinking about what do we have to add? What do we have to buy? And, and really it's, we should be asking ourselves, what do we need to audit? What, what do we need to cut out of our lives? Who do, who do we need to remove? What habits do we need to leave on the table? Uh, you know, like, do you need to do all 12 things on your list today or do you just need to do those three things? Do you need to take all those supplements or do you need to just stop drinking, you know, diet soda? Like, right. what is it in your life that you need to cut out before, you know, you go to thinking about what you need to add and have and, and then see how you feel and then see what you have room for? Because you'll find after that audit, you'll all those things that, that you want to buy and, and that are in your Amazon cart right now, just just racking up. Um, that you'll be like, oh, I don't need any of this stuff, you know? And yeah. you'll feel lighter and you'll have this bounce about you when, once you start to rid yourself of these earthly possessions. Well, I think that's that's one of the, you know, a big cause of depression in this in this country, especially America, um, is is the pressures of keeping up. You know what I mean? Even Even when you're young, the pressure of, going from grade school to high school to high school to college to college to career and all that stuff uh, that you know that pressure of uh, progression is so aggressive in in this country we i mean especially in america everything is sports you know what i mean like i i love that analogy of like your religion your your job your everything we are we are trained since we are young to compete with one another. There is no unity here in America. It's very competitive here. What kind of car do you have? What kind of shoes are you wearing? Do you have the latest sunglasses? Did you graduate college? Are you a Dallas Cowboys fan? Are you a Christian? Are you a Muslim? Who's your fucking team? And we're raised in that competitive atmosphere and that pressure builds and builds and builds as we get older, and you can't always keep up. It's easier when you're young. You, you, you can adapt to things. You have your parents' money or support or whatever. Like, Sure, it's easy when you're young, but as you get older, that's when the depression seeks in more and more, and that's when you start going to therapy or, or, or you know, lagging behind or thinking less of yourself is because you are not – keeping up with the competition and what you have to realize there is no competition <laughs> there is only you only you should only be comparing yourself to yourself am i any better today than i was yesterday am i in a better position than i was last year how am i looking in, on on this this and this am i any better than i was that's who you should be competing against. That's who you should be comparing yourself against. You know, I was watching this video on Tom Brady and his quarterback coach was with him. And uh, the, the reporter asked him, they go, when are you guys done with practice? And he goes, when we see a 1% improvement in his throwing. That's all. Wow. We, we walk out here every day and we want to see a 1% improvement. And I was like, whoa. And I remember writing that down and I put that in my journal 
and and I, I I go through my days now asking myself like, have I have I improved one percent? Have I have I moved the needle forward just because after a hundred days you got a hundred percent improvement? And and how many people can say that they have a hundred percent improvement within a hundred days? Yeah, you know, like that's it, it, drastic. That's monumental. Yeah. That's huge. When you talk about sitting in your feelings and enduring the pain, it's, it's interesting because right now I'm reading this book called Endurance about this uh, ship that uh, set sail uh, for an Antarctica. And um, how, how does that look like for you? Are, you? are you literally sitting there like meditating in your pain and in your feelings? Are you pacing back and forth? Are you, are, are, like, what, are you hitting your head against like, what does that look like for you to sit in your feelings? Um, you know, uh, around the holidays, Christmas, um, you know, my, that was my mother's favorite holiday and I have a bunch of old home videos. My mother would always have the camera out on Christmas and stuff and videotaping everybody. And she was very rarely on camera. She hated to be on camera. And so, um, around Christmas time, since she's been gone, uh, I will bring up some of those old videos and stuff and I will make time to put those on and kind of be in those moments, reflect in those moments, let them play over and over. If there's a part I like, if there's, you know, skipping through stuff, picking up on new things that I didn't notice from last year. And I'm sure there's some crying and all that stuff, but it's really just sitting there with it watching those memories play out, remembering her, remembering the good things, the bad things, the stuff I regret, you know, uh, talking to her even, um, uh, you know, stuff like that, like really being in those moments and making that time. And I'll just, I'll just kind of lock myself away in the middle of the night, you know, everybody's sleeping and, and do that. Um, I think that's, that's important to do. I think it. Uh, I think it allows all of that energy and angst and depression and all of that stuff. It gives it an outlet because if I'm not doing that, then I'm constantly thinking around the holidays about my mother and about this and about that. And again, like you end up breaking down at just you know the sight of like a, a Santa Claus figuring like my mother loves Santa Claus <laughs> and you're like ah fuck <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, you just lock yourself away and endure those moments and go through all of it. Maybe you have pictures, maybe you have videos, maybe there's just a CD or a band that your mom liked or your, your girlfriend or your brother or whoever is gone or whatever. Um, kind of celebrating what they liked and, and doing it for them. You know what I like about that is it. It's like you know how we get ready to go out to a nightclub and we play music to to get us hype. And you know, I mean, I, I, we don't. I don't really nightclub anymore. But back in the day, you would <laughs> yeah. you, you would have the pre party like, yo, we gonna we gonna have a blast, and then you play some music and you get hype for it. And and there's no reason why we can't have that same thing for grieving, where you're just like, you know what, I'm gonna grieve tonight. I'm a, I'm gonna I'm play some music. You know, some some uh, I, I don't know who's sad, Nora Jones or right. uh, 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 what's that guy, Citizen uh, Cope, like so, somebody yeah. who really gets you, gets you in your feelings, uh, you yeah. know, and and grab the you know some some people it's wine, some people it's water, tea, wh- whatever it is, 
and 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 you know shut the blinds and and really really feel all the feelings. Pull out the uh, like you said, pull out the albums and and the covers and give yourself permission. I think part of it is what makes the pain uh, become uh, uh, become suffering. It's okay to be in pain, but but they say suffering is a choice. What makes it suffering is when we try to avoid it and suppress it and ignore it, and then it starts. But, but, but what happens is it pops up uh, in these random places, like you said, at a quickie mart or whatever. So right. if you don't if you don't say, hey, 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 pain, I I, I see you, I acknowledge you. Uh, what about tonight at seven o'clock? You know what right. I'm saying? And let's do this. Make let's do this. Date with your grief. Yeah, <laughs> make a date with your grief, man. Don't don't let grief just show up whenever it wants to. That's just rude. First of all. Huh. So of course you're going to be unhappy. Like you don't know what I'm doing, grief. Um, but yeah. to to really schedule it and, and sit down with it, I, 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 uh, you know, I'm really bringing this up because also, like like I said, like you know, for the listeners out there, check out Mike Malone's comedy special on Amazon Prime, uh, Laughter After Dark, very funny, brand new special. But also because there's a new book that's just been released called The Sixth Stage of Grief. There, originally. There were five stages, and now the sixth stage is uh, finding meaning uh, in the grief. And and to me, why I'm excited about your journey and, and what you've been through and where you are right now is that to me, it seems like you found meaning in you know the loss of your your stepfather, your mom, and then your fiance. I mean, I would imagine there was a lot of loneliness that that accompanied all that. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting too. um, this idea of loneliness and, and, and people don't think that goes with, with someone like me because we, you know, we're, we're comics. So we tour, we perform, we're surrounded by hundreds of people every night, (laughs) you know, and, um, you can still be lonely in a, in a group of people. And I, I, you know, it, it, loneliness it has nothing to do with your surroundings. It has to do with the connections that you're having with these people. And so you, you could be at a party and be lonely. You could be at a, a sold out concert and be lonely because loneliness is an emotion connected with 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 connection it's not about uh, your your surroundings or the, or the people or any of that uh, you can be lonely around family you could be lonely in a relationship and I, I don't think people think about that i think i think loneliness has a uh, you know a terminology that goes with it that is needs to be updated i don't think it means what people think it means yeah, you're, you're absolutely right because there. I've been on flights, and I'm sure you've experienced this, where I felt more connected to the person I was talking to on a flight uh, than I have to people I've known for 10, 20 years. Yeah. You know, yeah. where you just locked into each other. Yeah, they speak your language. And and so how did you navigate through those feelings of loneliness? Oh, man, I was not very good at it. <laughs> I was- <laughs> I was uh, terrible at that, man. I, um, you know, I, it's, it's so funny too. I would, uh, I was reaching out to my best friend and he lives in Texas now. And, and, uh, you know, th- throughout this whole thing when I was living on my own and 
doing whatever I was, uh, I was telling him the whole time. I was like, man, I, I just can't get out of bed today. Or like, man, I just, uh, you know, I had a whole thing of Ben and Jerry's for breakfast, you know, shit like that, where you're just like, you're not treating yourself great. And, uh, you know, the, one of the moments that I think about all the time is being in Oklahoma doing shows and I was in bed the entire weekend unless I was like right before the show would start, I would get up, I would shower, I would Uber over to the show, do the show and then come back and get back in bed. Um, that whole weekend. And I remember telling him this and this and that, and, and, and he, he chalked it up to laziness. He thought I, you know, he's always known me to be very motivated and, and all the workaholic and this and that. And so he was like, I just get out of bed. Just, you know, just don't just do it. And it's taken him until just about a couple months ago. He called me and was like, hey, man, uh, I didn't know that you were actually like depressed. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, man, it was not pretty. <laughs> so for me, I did not navigate those feelings that well. I sulked in it and I didn't know what to do. Um, so I, I am not the person to talk to about <laughs> loneliness because um, I fully just submitted to it. Yeah, it's a it's a tough one because it it's it's a slow um it's a slow burn. Like it 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 doesn't just hit you. It's like, you know, you, you I find myself like when it happens for me like it's I just start I, I eat a little bit more, I'm sleeping uh. a bit more. But it's always like a little bit more. It's never like I just ate like 12 pints of ice cream and, uh, you know, it's always like, oh, I just I had like half a thing of ice cream or something, you know, half a pint. All right. No big. Yeah. But then the next night is like a a pint. And then it's then is then I start adding stuff and I'm sleeping a little later and 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 waking up a little, you know, it's just a slow build up. I was uh, I was, you know, I talk about this sometimes where I was I was. I was abusing marijuana. You know what I mean? Like I was using marijuana like Adam Sandler did in the movie click with that remote. Yeah. Like I was just, that's how I was spending my days. Oh, I got to go to the grocery store. Zoop. (laughs) Oh, I got to (laughs) go. Zoop. (laughs) It was just fast forwarding through my life. Um, unless I had to be somewhere, unless I had to be on stage, I was high 24 seven for a couple years after my mom died and, um, you know, going back to the relationship stuff, like I couldn't have been great to be around. I just lost both my parents and I was stoned out of my fucking, I was, I was, (laughs) I was getting high so often and so much, uh, um, that the only way I was processing things was, was in my sleep. So I was literally waking up in the middle of the night at three or four in the morning in full on crying fits. And I can't tell you how scary that is. <laughs> and I'm not talking like waking up in the morning like, oh, I think I have a little I think I have a couple tears here. I mean, I was bawling my eyes out and waking up in the middle of it. 
Um, because that was the only time that I was sober and my subconscious was processing the loss that I was experiencing. Um, because I was refusing to deal with it, uh, when I was awake. Um, so yeah, I, I fully submitted to that loneliness, to that grief. Um, those first couple of years for me were not good. And, and what was that slow, what was the beginning of the, of the turnaround for you? Do you remember the, the moment where you're like, all right, this is not acceptable. Uh, what was like, what were those baby steps? Um, for me, I, I put a lot of stuff into, in the self image because I did grow up overweight and I've always dealt with, with that, um, that kind of fat shaming and, and self image and, and self hatred. I still deal with it. You know, I'll, I'll put on an extra five pounds or whatever and, and just think it's the end of the fucking world, you know? Um, because I know it is a slippery slope for me. I grew up a big kid, Leo. Like I was, I was the center on the football team. Uh, I was big. And, um, and, and so to, to, for the listeners, cause we're not doing video, uh, uh, give us a weight then, and then, and what are you weighing now? I, I don't know a weight then, but again, I, I played center, which is like big the guy, biggest huge right, field. Right, like he, right, his right. whole job is just to be a wall. <laughs> I didn't have to memorize any plays. That's how big you are. You're just like, just lift your head up, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's your whole job. Um, so, uh, uh, so I went from that to I sit anywhere from one forty-five to one fifty now. Um, and I'm a, I'm a grown man. I'm 30, 37 years old. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, I make Jim Carrey look thick. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's, it's something I've struggled with. And so for me it was, it was sleeping and eating more and more and more and, and numbing myself with that marijuana. And so I, uh, you know, I put on that weight. And so eventually it was, well, I can't live like this. I don't want to live like this anymore. And, uh, I bought a bicycle as dumb as that sounds. I used to love to, to ride my bike and stuff. And so I bought a bicycle and I started riding my bike every day, like five, 10 miles a day here. They were there in Hollywood. And, and, um, you know, I, it, it was such a game changer for me because I would do it first thing in the morning. And so before I ate any food or did anything, I would get up out of bed, put clothes on and go get my bike and just ride. And I got a lot of the vitamin D and the energy and stuff from the sun in the morning. And it was so calming because you, you're out riding. I can't check my email. I can't do this. I can't do that. It was, again, like we talked about before, that turning everything else off and seeing people, seeing life. I was riding by all these little neighborhoods in Hollywood and seeing people go to work and get coffee and conversate and walk their dogs and just seeing life happen um, versus sitting in my studio apartment, laying in bed eating, sleeping, not seeing anybody, not really talking to anybody, not going out. Um, that was a huge game changer was just getting up and getting out. We don't realize how powerful that is. I, 
I go to farmers markets sometimes, and and I must look like a creeper because I'm like the only one there without uh, kids running around and family. <laughs> but I just love to watch like positive or neutral interactions with between people, you know, because when you when you are depressed and you are home and you start watching the the news and TV shows and you're either seeing uh, ext- extremely um, uh, uh, positivity or extreme violence, and, and there's no in-between. And it's when you uh, go to the beach, go to the park, go to a farmer's market, and you're just seeing people be. Like, they're not – it's not like Ozarks where they're, like, running from the drug cartel or <laughs> – <laughs> Or, you know, some Netflix sitcom where it's just like, it's just all these, uh, you know, extreme stereotypes of people. It's just people being, man, just laying, reading a book uh, and 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 just existing. And you go, oh, I, I like this place. This is comfortable for me. And it it feels, it, it, re, it restores your uh, faith in humanity to see humans living life and and. And, and buying groceries, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as strange it, as it, it is. Well, so much because it, it again, it it uh, it advocates for that for that normal life. Um, it lets you know in a weird way that you are not alone, and that's a big thing. Um, when when my mother died, it everything else kept moving. And that's a hard thing to wrap your mind around. I remember being feeling angry about it almost where you're like, don't you guys realize my mom's fucking dead? And no, nobody cares. The world keeps moving. People are still going to work. People are still taking flights. People are still, you know, walking their dog. Like the world is still moving forward. And that is a hard concept to, to grasp when you're, when you're feeling like your world is on pause. And that's how I felt living in this studio apartment by myself for the very first time. My life was on pause and I didn't realize that everything else was still happening. Um, and it's important to go out and see that stuff happening um, it's important to see people going to work, see people getting caught, all those things we just talked about, because it encourages you to then start moving forward like they are. It's easy to turn off all that stuff and put everything on pause when it's just you <laughs> and just your <laughs> duh. <laughs> but you have to actually see like, oh, no, man, like life is happening. When I go for a hike in the, in the mountains, in the hills, I'm re- that's why I love it. Because it reminds me of like, n- like no matter what I feel, these trees are going to keep growing. The, oh, the yeah. birds are going to chase each other. The, 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 the waterfall is going to keep falling. Like none of that stops. And it, it just makes me realize how ridiculous this thing that I'm all up in arms about is. And, and it, it isn't invalidated. I don't feel invalidated. I don't feel small. I just I just realize like it's it's painful but manageable. 
you know, yes. like like it hurts, but I can I can manage this. Like it doesn't it doesn't put me out of commission, you know. Right. And and when you see the like you said, you see life happening. There's I think that's why like as people get older, they get into gardening because yeah. <laughs> they're dying, but they get to see. <laughs> They see life happening. They're like, all right, well, Frank died you know, last week, but uh, but my petunias are looking good. You know, like like it, it's an opportunity. That's why grandchildren are important for old people. It's like yes. they need to see life happening. They need to. They need a feeling of hope. I mean, we all need it. We all need it. It's not just them. I think it's it's why we love baking. You get to see something grow before your very eyes in a matter of minutes. It's all yep. about growth. It's all about growth. It's so funny. I was it reminds me when I when I first started watching Mad Men a few years ago and yeah, I was late to the party and all that stuff, but I I'd, I'd watched the series and I remember thinking I was like, you know, as we all think, we're like, oh man, I'm Don Draper. Like everybody watches that show and goes, I'm Don Draper. And then as I watched the show progress, I'm like, no, I'm I'm Mr. Cooper. I'm watering <laughs> my flowers. I'm reading the news in the morning. <laughs> I'm listening to philosophy. I'm smoking a cigar. Like I'm Mr. Cooper. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so true, man. I love that you talk about an advocate for normal because I I love all those things. The newspaper, the the uh, the the writing. Like I I don't need to be like. Uh, I don't need to have a mistress. I don't. I don't need to, you know, to to lead the meeting and, and wear the power suits and and uh, you know have this t- like I, I like I like the minutia. I like the regular things. I like going to get a a, a tea like that. That gets me excited. Like to to yeah. have a tea in my newspaper. Um, I I not like the physical. Are you a physical newspaper guy or what? Yeah, I uh, I just signed up for the New Yorker too, so I've been getting like <laughs> physical in the mail. <laughs> I, I love getting that. I love getting mail in general. Like I'm an old school guy like that, man. I, I like those things. Wait, it's now so- what newspaper do you read? You get you get the New Yorker. Do you get the New York Times or what newspaper no, are you? No, so I I, I do the I do I'm do digital newspapers, but I get the New Yorker. I listen to NPR in the morning and stuff like that. So like, and it feels so so interesting too during this this weird lockdown state that we're in um you know what my girlfriend and i were talking about it the other day like listening to npr in the morning and listening to all these updates it feels like old like 1950s wartimey stuff where <laughs> we're turning on the news every morning to be like all right let's hear the updates like what's going on on the outside <laughs> like it feels so Late, like so old school right now we're taking bike rides we're <laughs> we're walking around our neighborhood we're in a weird way too this is this is such a i know there's a lot of terrible things happening right now and this covid 19 is is a serious thing and we we all need to be serious about it but also looking on the other side of it what a blessing in disguise as well we were walking around the other neighbor, the, the neighborhood the other night. There was a guy repairing his little back taillight on his van. He's sitting on the sidewalk. There's a guy playing with a, a newborn baby, like in, in his yard and stuff. Like 
what a great moment of time we're living in. Although all this shit's happening, but if you're safe and you're healthy, what a great time for you to actually reconnect with those things that are what life is supposed to be. Family, community, unity, communication, like all of those things that get tossed to the side because we live in such a fast-paced world that we are in such a competitive world like we were talking about. What a great time it is right now to actually slow down and have those moments with your family that you'll never get back again or with those people that you love, your friends or whatever, even if it is digitally, even if you are just checking in on FaceTime every night, even if you're playing stupid little games on your phone together and stuff, what a great time to reconnect to those values that have been tossed to the side because you, you've been living such a competitive and fast lifestyle. Yeah, I, I see it. I see it every day. People holding hands, families coming together. It, it, it definitely is. They talk about the spike in uh, divorce rates, but there's also been a <laughs> spike in, in baby making, you know, and in yeah. game playing and, you know, reaching out to people that you haven't talked about or talked to in years. And 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 also, like, you know, even people without families and, and, and who are quarantined by themselves that, you know, a lot of I have a lot of friends who are really using the time to reflect and introspect and 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 deepen yeah. their practice of journaling, deepen their practice of meditation, deepen their their practice of yoga and 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 baking and learning new things and uh, studying. It's it's really an opportunity for people to deepen the things that they were doing before that that was beneficial, and then to explore new opportunities and and ideas. Yes. Yes, I've been uh, I've been working on a book, um, getting ready to finish that up during this quarantine time and all this stuff. And it's like something that I've been wanting to do for three, three or four years now. I've been always talking about like I need I really want to write about, you know, because of the connection I'm having with my audiences and everything on stage. Like I really want to have something more tangible for to help people and connect with people and, and all of that. And I've been wanting to put a book together and I've been taking this time to work on that and to do that and to be able to share that after everything is over. And it's, it's just been, it, it's a blessing in disguise. And I know there's a lot of terrible stuff that goes along with it. Yes. And we can dwell on that and we can talk about that, but I feel like the news is already doing that enough. So why don't we, the, the healthy people that are safe and are home and, and are doing what they're supposed to be doing and focus on the good things instead of, instead of bitching about being at home and like, oh, I wish I could go to a football game. Well, okay, have board game with your family instead. <laughs> like, these are moments, hopefully, that we'll never experience again. And being this in this forced slowdown period, take advantage of it. This is the time to reconnect, like you said, with all of your different things that you wanted to do, that you wanted to get better at. And take time with family. Michael Malone, I appreciate you being on this episode. Uh, is there anything uh, that we haven't talked about that you feel like listeners should know about, uh, you know, how you, you know, how you dealt with your grief and the loneliness and uh, but just also how to thrive and, 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 and. Uh, you know, find hope? Um, I would say this. 
it gets better. And even if it doesn't feel like it now, even if it doesn't feel like it's ever going to get better, it does. It gets better. But the that's that's a that it comes with <laughs> it's a loop there's a loophole here. It only gets better if you if you want it to, if you put in the work, if you actually do the work and 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 make the changes you need to make and be aware and and really really try. It's not going to get better if you're just laying on your couch every night and you just go, well, he told me it, get, it gets better. It does. But you have to work at it. But it does get better. And speaking from somebody on the other side of things, it gets so much better. I'm in a, a relationship now I'm so happy with. She has a she has a 13-year-old daughter who like I just love. I've never thought I would – have kids or any of that stuff. And it has opened up an entirely different world for me. I mean, I'm in a completely different spot than I was just one year ago and I could not be happier. And if you would have asked me two years ago, you know, whatever, I would have told you that I'm just waiting to die. I'm just laying on a couch, eating ice cream, waiting to fucking die, <laughs> that nothing matters, <laughs> that it's all bullshit, <laughs> and this and that. It gets better, even when you think it doesn't, even when you think it can't. It does. It gets better. Michael Malone. Wow. You, with that, you, you pretty much answered the, the next question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Because uh, <laughs> yeah. I ask this question of everyone who's on the episode, because uh, I imagine that there's that there's always one person who is listening in, who may be on the precipice of ending their life. Before yeah. you kill yourself, what would you say to them, Michael? Oh man, that's tough. Um, you know, I, I had it. This sparks it, and this is going to be a longer thought. I hope that's okay. Take your time. I was in a conversation with a buddy of mine. I'm sure you know Ken Gar, and I love Ken. And he's another positive person. He's doing a lot of work on himself. You know, he's gotten sober within the last few years, and he's just he's really somebody who who works at that and is always positive and supportive. And so we're really good friends. And we were doing shows in Phoenix, Arizona. This is just maybe. This was last year, I think. Yeah. And we're riding back from Phoenix to Los Angeles. We drove. It's like a six-hour trip. And I told Ken, we were talking about suicide and about Brody Stevens. And um, that had just happened. And and uh, we were talking about it and, and this and that. And I said, uh, I told Ken, I said, well, I think that's how my story ends. And he said, what? And I go, yeah, I think that I go, not now or anytime soon, but I think that's how my story ends. I think, I think it ends in suicide. I go, I don't want to get old and I got nothing to live for now. Like everybody's dead already or, you know, (laughs) stuff. And I don't really, I don't have any kids. I don't have anybody depending on me or doing anything. Like I don't want to get old and, and, and sick or, or randomly die of a heart attack on a toilet somewhere in Tulsa. (laughs) Like, uh, that's how my story ends. And he couldn't believe that I felt that way. And I remember feeling like that was such a normal idea 
I thought that that everybody had that thought. I thought that that was an option. I thought that that was like, oh yeah, you could either get old and get sick and die, or you could just do it yourself. I had no idea until I actually expressed that out loud to Ken, and we had a conversation they had not had before, which was about gratitude and how making a list of things that you are happy about in life that are going well, even if it is as dumb as, hey, I I get to take a nap during the day. That's great. Not everybody gets to take a fucking nap during the day. Hey, I, I get to, I, you know, I, I sometimes I'll, I'll have a, a Snickers bar. Uh, <laughs> you know, you know what? There's people in the world that don't get to have that option. There are you are so lucky, and you don't even know the degrees and the levels of how lucky you are until you start breaking it down. And so I would say. Work on this idea of gratitude because that was the information given to me when I said out loud that I thought the option was suicide. I had not thought about gratitude at all. And again, even if you don't feel like you're a lucky person, even if you feel like you've had a shitty life, I guarantee you there's something worse that could be happening or that is happening to somebody else somewhere else. And so this idea of gratitude hopefully will save your life. And if you can just make those lists as as simple as that is, it doesn't have to be a daily thing. It doesn't have to be a weekly thing. Just every once in a while, sit down and think about gratitude and how lucky you are to be here in these moments and experiencing the life that you have now, the good, the bad, and the in-between. Michael Malone, I am grateful that you took the time out to get on this podcast and and share your story. I want to I want to thank the listeners for listening in. Remember that this episode is not a substitute for you going to get help for you talking to someone for you journaling, for you getting on a bike and just riding around and feeling the the wind in your hair and seeing people live life and and hearing the birds chirping and the and the ocean waves or the the cars honking or 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 smelling the if you're in New York you know smelling the the smells that that come with being in a big city or smelling the the smells that come with you know living out in the country or the suburbs or feeling the raindrops on your skin you know to feel life and see life being lived but we got to do the work and 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 I'm so uh grateful that that we ended it on gratitude. I'm super grateful that you all uh, have joined us again. And uh, and go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Go check out Mike Malone's special on Amazon Prime, Laughter After Dark. Plug plug your other stuff, Mike. What Where else can they find you? Uh, everything is at Malone Comedy. I've made it real simple. So you can go to my website, malonecomedy.com, or follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Malone comedy you know what that makes me want to add sound effects to the podcast sorry yeah, it's just it's so much fun it's like I, hannibal burris has that on his podcast and i, I was like to my computer and i don't know how to turn that off i have it i have my phone silent my computer's like hey man real quick <laughs> thank you all for tuning in and let's get to tomorrow together Talk to you soon. Thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks, Mike.